Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Confer Culture, brought to you by Tim Theories, the podcast where we talk about the topics that many of us are passionate about. I'm your host, Chris Murphy, and this week I'm joined by... David Majors, host of the Promenade Merchant Star Trek podcast. Chris, thanks so much for having me on. Thanks so much for coming uh, and guest starring on my on my podcast. Um, the reason why I brought brought, uh, brought in David on is because this week we're going to be discussing a, a topic that's very near dear to my heart that I don't have a lot of people actually in my life that want to on a podcast talk about. And that's that's this week we're going to rank all the Star Trek movies. Now, I did a, a podcast recently where uh, Tim, Mike and I uh, ranked all the Star Wars movies, and that was a lot of fun. And I've always wanted to do this one, but... Um, for whatever reason, Tim and Mike are not big Star Trek guys. I don't know no, why. And no. I know that it's a shame, isn't it? Isn't it? Cause it's so Sad good face. before it's, we get started. Really? I know before we get started, like real quickly, um, what is your favorite Star Trek show? Oh man. Uh, I suppose I should just stay completely on brand with the name of my podcast, talking about being on the promenade and say Star Trek deep space nine. Uh, I will say that recently, in in a recent rewatch, Star Trek Voyager is really starting to creep up. It feels like Voyager's getting up there, but still, for right now, it's Deep Space Nine. You are you're a, a person after my own heart, sir. Um, that is also my favorite show for the long form storytelling. I Cisco is my favorite captain. My hey. favorite episode is uh, in the pale moonlight, uh, followed by Far Beyond the Stars. Um, it's amazing. Uh, I did a rewatch recently where I was uh, of TNG, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. Was I was just like cherry picking my favorite episodes. And um, Deep Space Nine, I watched almost all of season five, seasons five and six because it's just that good. Like I skipped maybe three, four episodes between those two seasons. It's they're just that good. I will I, say, said, go ahead. I've said the same thing for the longest time. Seasons five and six of Deep Space Nine, right at the heart of the Dominion War, is just yep. not just for Star Trek. It's just it's just peak television. I yes, think. it's just it's, quality prime television. It's excellent. Uh, I will say, though, in contrast to your opinion, um, I'm watching Voyager. I noticed how lazy it is this time around. <laughs> this show is so lazy. It's uh, and it's one of those things where it's like um, and I'll give you an example of what I mean. I don't want to just talk about where we're like going on the, the TV shows, but I just a bit of a primer. Oh, let's, going, but yeah, let's. yes, let's uh, uh, Voyager. Uh, Tom Paris saves Chakotay and. Uh, Janeway's all like, hey, you saved that guy you didn't like. Let's give you a field promotion to lieutenant. And um, all the Maquis in the Federation get along inside of two weeks. And there is no conflict on this show. Um, the best characters uh, are the Doctor and Seven. I absolutely hate Neelix anytime he's on screen. When yeah. Q's son shuts his mouth, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> Quite frankly. I, yeah. Um, I will say recently, the thing about Voyager for me is that I've really grown to almost fall back in love with the entire cast. Like every character has something that I really, really appreciate and like about all that's of fair. them. And, and I will say, yes, even Neelix. I, I know I'm in the minority on that one. Mm -hmm. uh, but a, a lot of the show, in a lot of ways, has sort of a fun feel to it that DS9 and TNG didn't <clears throat> always have necessarily. Uh, but I've really grown to love the cast. Uh, recently, especially Belana Torres. I've Belana really Torres grown is great. To, 
She is. Uh, some yeah. of her like standalone episodes have really, really hit me. So uh, mm-hmm. the cast as a whole on Voyager is one that I've really grown to appreciate. And uh, I've grown to hold Captain Janeway and even Chakotay in, in much higher regard upon rewatch. I, I yeah, really yeah, because there's the whole thing with... Uh, um... I can't remember his name now. Who played Jacote? Apparently, he did not enjoy his time on the show. He came out in an interview after, which is, I mean, you can't blame him. The way TV shows are filmed, generally speaking, it's like sure. you're doing 15, 17 hour days. So it's like, sure. Um, and I, I never realized, and this, and the second watch to watch through, I never realized how much of a dick Tom Paris is. He oh is, yes, he's a major oh, yes. dick. Like he, he's he talking is. about. There's this one conversation between him and Seven where he's talking. To, he's telling Seven about like the stuffed animal she carries around everywhere. I'm like, dude, that's not for you to tell her. What are you doing? <laughs> oh yeah, he he was every bit the the bad boy that they yep. wrote him to be in the very beginning, and even in his uh, cameo appearance, we'll call it on on TNG back in the day. Uh, he, he's always been a, a little bit of a, I'm going to make a comparison here. He's always had a little bit of a Hal Jordan in him. No. Oh, okay. uh, where, where he's, he's a fly boy and he knows it. And he, he's, he's a bit cocky and, and he knows he's a good pilot. And that's, that's kind of part of his charm. Like yeah. uh, upon rewatches over the years, I've sort of grown to appreciate that he is, a little bit of a jerk, but he's not completely irredeemable, I don't think. See, I would have went with Guy Gardner more so than Hal Jordan, but yeah, whatever. Because <laughs> Guy Gardner was like an absolute jerk. But yeah, I mean, sure, I, I could get that. Yeah, no, my, I, 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 we'll get, I, I swear everyone, we will get to the list eventually. <laughs> but like, because I could talk Star Trek all day long. Oh, but my, my actual favorite Voyager episode, and I'm like, I was waiting, I'm like, oh, I can't wait till I get to it, is the two part of the Equinox. I yes. love the Equinox yes, episodes. Yes, yes, yes. But even in those, it's like they try and do something where like the symbolism of like where the like the morals of Starfleet fall down and then like the sign we're gonna symbolically pick it up and of like Voyager pick it up and put it back at the end of the show, but they don't do enough with it. And it's one of those things where the captain goes from being a the, the captain's um uh captain first of all his name is captain ransom so of course he's going to be a bad guy yeah but like yeah. secondly uh he goes from being a bad guy to back to being a good guy it feels like a, a um a sudden 180 and and janeway is like he she goes through i trust you all oh, you messed you messed up you're all going to the brig you're killing these uh, aliens you go all going to the brig you stole some stuff and you took off now i'm really mad at you now i'm going to give you to the aliens to kill you and now it's like oh I forgive you because you're Starfleet captain, and I think I believe you. And I'm like, this show is so lazy. <laughs> it's so lazy. <laughs> it's just captain it's, to captain. It's, it's one of those things where sometimes it feels like they're writing the script and they get so far in, they're like, oh crap, there's only ten minutes left in this episode. We better wrap this up. That's sometimes what it feels like, and I, okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. No, I, I don't you. hate I it, you. but it's one of those things where the this is where Star Trek started to go off the rails a little bit, and you could really see it in Enterprise. I think you could. I think uh, I, by the time Enterprise was done, I think everyone had a little bit of Star Trek franchise fatigue. There's yeah. some good in Enterprise, and I stand by that. But yep, me too. I think by season four, I think the break was necessary. Yeah, yeah, and I like the Zindi stuff, like the Zindi. Uh, oh, 
That was quality. Yeah, yeah. I like the Zindi storyline. And I like Captain Archer. It was funny. It was hilarious. Uh uh when when Shatner did that captain's uh, um um documentary back in the day and he viewed interviewed uh, um uh Archer um Bacula. Possibly, uh, Bacula. Yeah, thank you, Scott Bacula. And he was saying, like, yeah, it was like horrible shooting Star Trek, and you know, those seventeen hour days were brutal. And like Bacula's like Actually, I, I'd done Quantum Leap, and I hated that. So uh, I wrote it into my contract that I wouldn't be on set for any more than like eight hours. And it's like, nice. Uh, I believe well at done, the time. Sir. I believe at the time, um, his kids at home were still pretty young. So he was like, "Yeah, I'm not doing these." Yeah, six, if you want me, this is days. this is it. Yeah, but because but, I don't know if you watched the the documentary on Deep Space Nine. Uh, what we left. What behind. we left behind. It's on my list. I haven't gotten there yet fantastic highly mm-hmm. recommend it but that was the first that i'd really heard about the 15 16 hour days <clears throat> where uh, somebody like the late great renee aubergenois or or, yes. or andrew robinson garrick who was in the makeup chair for like the first three hours of that and then they'd have to go shoot and just wow oh, wow yeah the best part of that captain's documentary was when shatner sat down to talk to kate mulgrew and he was like uh, she was talking about how the days are so brutal and blah, blah, blah. And her, she mentioned her husband at some, one point just had enough and left her. And then Shatner was like, I had the same thing. I had like 17 hour days. I came out home and I was wiped. And she's like, yeah, but you had somebody else there like uh, making dinner and uh, cleaning up and making sure the kids got their homework done and then taking them to school. She's like, I didn't have that. I basically had to be a mother and a Starfleet captain. And she says yeah. to this day that her kids in protest refused to watch Voyager because of it, because Ooh. of how strained the relationship was because uh, yeah, she was on set all day long. And I was just like, yeah. I, I, last thing, because I want to, I want to say this. Everybody gives Janeway crap about, um, Tuvix. Oh, kill, right. It's can, such can a tired not, argument. Can, and it's like, no, no, not? no. I will just, I will just say this. Um, she, she kills one to save two. That makes sense. Nobody talks about how Odo in children of time, configures uh the defiant to go through the shield and wipes out eight thousand people like nobody everybody's like oh janeway killed two people i'm like odo killed eight thousand to save one person nobody talks about that yeah. funny <laughs> weird i'm so i'm so tired of the two fix me too me too so tired it's, of it. yeah yeah so so on that note let's jump into the movies agreed and since you're the guest i'm going to let you go first and uh so we have 13 i didn't you know, it was funny. I, I did this. I'm like, there's been st- 13 Star Trek movies. Huh? Weird. <clears throat> okay. I didn't miss them. I didn't miss any. Okay. Excellent. Awesome. Uh, because I most recently, uh, maybe about not even a month ago, just watched uh, Star Trek four, AKA the one with the whales. Oh, uh, yes. Right. I can now officially call myself a Star Trek completionist. So nice. I, I, I am ready. Uh, so we're going to start with number 13. Chris. All right. And I think that this is one, this might be the only Star Trek movie that I have only watched once and just have no interest in going back to. Fair. And that is Star Trek Into Darkness. This is this is I'm so glad you said this and this is super hilarious. I'm not going to make people wait. This is also my my 13. All I right. I hate I hate 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 this movie. It it's is the good. dumbest one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. It's you feel the same good. way? It's not good at all. Yeah. It's really really not. It's like And it's 
it's Let's really remake a shame. Wrath of Khan. Please don't. <laughs> it, it's really a shame because I, I think that the entire cast of the reboot movies is really, really good. Mm-hmm. And on paper, bringing in Benedict Cumberbatch to be a villain in a Star Trek movie, on paper, that sounds great. Sounds like a great like, idea. The, the framework is there, and then they decide to do a, a, a half-assed remake of The Wrath of Khan. Oh, and, and do they ever. It's it, emphasis on half-assed. It, it yep. just... Quarter-assed, really not even. Just, it wasn't even close to decent. Uh, the, the mildly amusing scene between Spock and Khan where they were doing their little mental, literal battle of wits was mildly amusing, mm-hmm. uh, but and the action was fine. It was fine, but overall, it's if there's one Star Trek movie that I will absolutely say you can just kind of skip and forget about, it's Into Darkness. Yep, I 100% agree. My argument against this movie is always, who is this for? So, and the reason why I say that is because, okay, so if you're an original series Star Trek fan, or if you grew up the movies like me uh, in the 80s, because like, I was pretty, I'm old. I'm 42. <laughs> so I saw uh, Wrath of Khan at a very young age. And I've seen, I saw all the original movies before I've seen this. Anybody who likes the original series movies is going to hate what they do uh, here because um, I've already seen Wrath of Khan. You don't need to do it again. And like Khan is such an important part of the original series and the cast. Like the original fans are not going to like it. And then you're, any person that you're trying to bring in new is not going to know who he is to the point where like Leonard Nimoy has to come on screen and say, um, here, who's Khan, Khan is, uh, here was our interactions with him. Uh, this is why he's dangerous. He has to, uh, um, he has to, uh, dump a whole bunch of exposition onto you to explain if you don't know who he is, this is the, like, he's got to do an exposition dump to get you there. So I always say, who's this for? Not only that, but they render starships um, uh, obsolete because you can beam to planets now. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's like the magic con blood that brings Kirk back to life. Like that, they tried to do that whole death scene that doesn't have any weight because they haven't been together for very long. It's right. just who's this for? Who's it for? I, I, I remember when the first <laughs> when, when the reboot movie came out in two thousand nine. It's and fine. I, I, I remember thinking, okay, I know who this is for. This is for people who know Star Trek, but they've never really gotten into Star Trek. And I okay. got that. And when Into Darkness came out, I realized who it was for. It was for people who might know what Star Trek is, but they've never really gotten into it that much. And they've heard that The Wrath of Khan is a great movie, but it was also made 30-something years ago. So it might look a little dated in terms of acting and special effects and all of that stuff. So I understood why they made the movie. (laughs) but the execution was just absolutely dreadful. I, I think that th- there might have been a halfway decent movie in here if if they weren't trying so hard to do uh, The Wrath of Khan 2.0. But it, it just seemed like it never had a chance because it was... It was after the reboot movie, which was solid, which was fine, and it brought the franchise back, which is what everybody wanted. Yes. And then they immediately tried to jump into, let's bring in the the 
biggest villain in in all of the movie's history. Let, let's just throw that in right now and and get that marketing campaign going. And may, maybe this will bring back the old fans. And then maybe the people that are tuning in for the first time will go back and watch The Wrath of Khan and then get interested in the Star Trek. I understood the thought process. <laughs> Unfortunately, the execution was awful. Yeah, uh, they also kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit with the marketing because they decided to do the mystery box thing, the J.J. Abrams mystery box thing, where they're like, where everybody's like, oh, this is Khan. He's like, no, this is a completely new character and here's his name and blah, blah, blah. And they get halfway through the movie. It's like, actually, I'm Khan. And it's like, why didn't you guys say that? (laughs) Just just say that. Promote it. Yeah, just what do you what are we doing here? Just what are we doing? And this this movie drives me nuts because it's it's fairly highly ranked on like some some sites like aggregate sites like rotten tomatoes and i'm like this movie's awful like it's so good yeah it's just it's just not a good movie it's just really can can i say that it is easily the worst of the reboot movies like not close yep not even close i'm 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 not i'm not sure i i don't think i've met a a living breathing human being who likes star trek into darkness (laughs) but apparently they exist i don't know yeah, so, um, yeah. I mean, that's all I have to say about it, too. It's also my number 13. I hate this movie so much. And J.J. Abrams tried to... He did the same thing with The Rise of Skywalker, and I equally hate that, where it's just a bullet point movie and nothing makes sense. And that's that's this one, too. And it's just, yeah. It's, it's too bad. Because despite its plot holes, I'm with you. I enjoyed the reboot. Like, there's plot holes where if you stop and think about it, it sort of takes you out of the movie a little bit, but it's not... It's not like it doesn't grind, like come to a halt. Like you don't stop and say, wait a minute and then stop enjoying the film. You can just like hand wave it. But uh, we'll get to that in a bit. But Into Darkness is just a a giant bag of stupid. (laughs) We could move on. Yeah, exactly. All right. So um, that was my 13 as well. Uh, You can uh, go with your number 12. My number 12 (laughs) is is going to be a fairly good jump from 13 to 12 because okay. 13 is is down in the basement number 12 is in the house with the rest of the movies uh, and, and that is that is star trek insurrection and okay. what i've gone back when i've rewatched this one uh, i remember for a while i really hated it and, and i just thought that it was just unnecessary uh, I enjoyed seeing the cast uh, performing and acting because I love the TNG cast. Yes. They're all so talented and yes. and their on-screen chemistry is just ridiculous. But over time, I- I've realized I've come around on Insurrection because it had so many fun moments. It is a fun Star Trek movie and you don't get a lot of those where it it is lighthearted and it is fun. Mm -hmm. And I've always said about insurrection. It is, is that it is a really good extended episode of the next generation. Yeah. Okay. And deep down that's okay. I'm okay with that. It is a high budget, well-written lighthearted, action-packed extended episode of star trek the next generation and it's pretty solid yeah that's that's a fair assessment i feel mostly the same way about it um i don't have it too much higher than this but yeah um data's pretty good in it like he goes kind of goes rogue and he's got some fun moments in it 
and there's the whole sub there's a whole plot of um <clears throat> the alien planet having regenerative regenerative uh, uh um powers basically and Jordy getting his eyes back and he sees the sunset that, and that's that a pretty good scene I- that moment when I saw it in the theater, I was genuinely choked up by it when I saw yeah. it. it that, yeah. that really hit me hard because it was just a, a fantastic character moment for Jordy and and I absolutely loved it. And and those moments and seeing Picard dancing in his ready room, uh is it the most earth shattering, emotionally gripping Star Trek movie? No. No. But there's a lot of fun moments. Yep, I agree. All right. Uh, my number 12 is uh, Star Trek V, The Final Frontier. And Star Trek V, The Final Frontier can be summed up in uh, one quote from William Shatner in this movie. What does God need with a starship? <laughs> uh, I actually have this one as my number seven. Wow. Wow. Yeah, because I've I realized. <laughs> I don't like this I, I like this movie a lot more than a lot of other Trekkies. I, I've realized that. And this might be where I go off the rails. And, and I realized I really like Cybok as a character. I really I, did. Eh, he's all right. I, I really liked him. And he, he kind of made this movie for me. And in a lot of ways that's kind of why i gave it a pass uh i i loved the the scene where he was showing kirk spock and mccoy their past and their history and finding out what their pain was and i thought that was a really good character moment for all of them and i found cybok to be a really engaging charismatic character and i really liked him he 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 saved this movie for me I'll, i'll say that's totally fair. I I listen to a, a podcast and it, like it's an atheist podcast and they, and they talk about like uh it's called God awful movies and they talk about movies um that are sort of have god themes and and stuff like that. And they did Star Trek 5 once. And the interesting thing the thing that I took away most from it is uh how much they thought Spock was like a, a prick in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> he's like spock just gives one word answers sits in the corner does nothing like doesn't give a crap <laughs> uh like when they're trying to when they're in the uh um in this in when they're in the brig and they've got that force field and spock just lets them hit the force field and 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 hurt their fingers he's like no, you, i was you going knew it was there you could have prevent and it it's just a, they have a really funny take on it I, I was thinking did nimoy direct this one no it was shatner, shatner so i was thinking it, yes if Nimoy directed this one, maybe he was just tired and didn't want to do too much. Yeah, no, I that think was he was. Shatner. Yeah, I think he, he went through a period where he didn't want to be associated with Spock. So I feel yeah. like he was starting to get a little bit fatigued, though a vastly superior movie. It came out after this, which we'll get to later. But um, yeah, I don't know. It just uh, it I, I find it kind of I find it a little boring. Um, the only really redeeming quality is the Kirk Spock bones relationship throughout the film. And other than that, I just didn't really connect with any of it. Cybok didn't really do it for me. So, yeah, but that's, that's good. We want differing opinions on this podcast. That's what we want. That is what we want. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my 12. Um, what's your 11? My 11 is Star Trek, the motion picture. Interesting. Okay. It is. It is a good movie 
if it were two hours, <laughs> if it were two hours, I would probably, I would probably have it in my top five, but it feels like it's about four. Yeah, it's a bit slow. And, and that's the biggest, that's the biggest critique of it is that there is a lot of padding. Yes, the visuals are pretty good for their time. It's it's yeah. very good. Mm-hmm. But it kind of sticks with that and doesn't go anywhere. And that's that's my issue because I actually really do like the story of it. I, I like everything in Star Trek the Motion Picture. Mm-hmm. It, it it just needed to be compressed a little bit. Uh pacing, storytelling. If it were just, and I will say, I loved the uniforms in this movie. I know the the uniforms See, in the motion picture are are a discussion point, especially Bones's pajamas. Oh uh, yeah, I th- yeah. I personally love it. I love it because it's it's so seventies that it I is. can't help but love it. It's yep. it's so seventies. It's yeah. You are one hundred percent correct in that. It is definitely seventies uniforms, <laughs> and and yep. and I appreciate it. Uh, but. I want to like this movie more than I do. Um, That's fair. Let me see. Yeah, it is 132 minutes. It really could have been cut quite a bit, in my opinion. There's there's a YouTube channel I watch called Red Letter Media where they. Oh uh, yes, yeah, I love that. And, and so they did a, a a review of of Star Trek: The Motion Picture, and their whole thing was how did this get made post Star Wars. <laughs> Because like Star Wars completely changed. Star Wars came out in seventy seven, and it completely changed science fiction films, like how they're made. And like this is this is two thousand and one, a space odyssey, except Star Trek. You know what I mean? And so they were more. I think that's like, why it got get, made. Yeah, I always said that's probably why it got made. Because yep. that that's what Gene Roddenberry's vision was supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> and I think if I think they just kind of said, okay, you know what? Star Trek has done really well in syndication. Okay, fine, go for Let's it. Let's make a film. Yeah. They were going to do a TV show, but they scrapped that and did the movie instead. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. Okay. So my number eleven is Star Trek Insurrection because <laughs> I, I couldn't I couldn't really put it any higher than this. But I, yeah. I'm with you. It's it's fun. It's extended. It's an extended uh, um, episode. Is really like I think you summed it up pretty well. It's an extended episode. There's some good parts to it, but ultimately um, it falls flat. And uh, in comparison to some of the other stuff, F. Marie Abraham does chew the scenery quite well too. I'd like to mention this. Um, it's one of those Star Trek developed a problem after Wrath of Khan because Wrath of Khan was such a hit, and after that happened, it's like every movie had to have a villain, except for maybe Star Trek Four. But every every Star Trek has it's like we got to do a villain, and this one the villain is he's like again F. Murray Abraham chews it up, but the villain is kind of I don't know a little weak for Star Trek, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. It's just well, yeah, it's it's my least favorite uh, TNG film. Well, even to that point, that this was so much like an episode of Star Trek that it had a Star <laughs> Trek admiral that turned out to be a bad guy. I sidebar sidebar on on admirals. Star Trek admirals outside of Janeway and Kirk when he was an admiral are they're usually um I don't want to fat shame people but they're usually bigger. <laughs> it's like they've been sitting b- behind a desk too long I think is what they're trying right. to get across. Yes. They're usually they're either and they're either corrupt or incompetent. One or the other. 
The the exception so far is the fantastic Admiral Vance in Star Trek Discovery. He he, he yes. has been the exception. Yeah, Oded Fair. I love Oded Fair. Oded Fair, yeah. He yeah, he's, he's so great. And he he absolutely killed that role. He nailed it. He did. And I'm like, oh, like another idiot admiral. And then later on, I'm like, oh, thank goodness. No, he's <laughs> thank great. Goodness. He's yeah, he's great. He's smart and he's and he's like he makes good decisions. And even when he um even when he disagrees with the crew of Discovery, you can be like, yeah, that makes sense. And so, like, he's not a super corrupt, dumb admiral. Like, you look at the admirals, especially Deep, Deep Space Nine was famous for this. Every admiral was corrupt or dumb. <laughs> and it's Except like, for Ad- Admiral Ross had his moments, but he, he, he did, was like, but he a, was also corrupt. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, yeah, like, uh, um, Dr. Bashir, you should totally go to your room and not think about this anymore. Like, Section 31 is, we, we, it's fine. Don't worry yes. about it. I, oh, and by the way, I had like a um, an aneurysm for like two days. It's fine. Don't, it's, it's okay. <laughs> it's, fine. it's okay. Don't worry look, about it. It's fine. Look, it's war. Okay, it's <laughs> yeah, war. I know. I know. But it's I don't know, man. But even the ones in um in uh, TNG too, like the uh, um was he? An, I believe he was an admiral, like uh, a Riker's former captain. Like uh, the yes, episode, yes, right? super yes. corrupt. He's like. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna I'm totally gonna do something that that breaks the uh, the treaty of um can never remember the name of the planet. It's the Romulan Federation Treaty. I was getting right. confused with the Kittimer Records, but it's um uh I can't, know what you're about. yeah yeah. So he's he's totally gonna break that treaty because uh it's just handcuffed us. It's like okay, dude, <laughs> come on, <laughs> whatever, man. man. It it went inside an, an asteroid, but you want to start that? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway. Had to do the whole admiral thing, but anyway, uh, you've summed up uh, my feelings on insurrection uh, pretty well. So that's that's my number eleven. Okay, I guess that would be my number ten. Let me make sure that I've got the right Roman <laughs> numeral here, and <laughs> it's that's <X>. going to be <laughs> uh, that is going to be Star Trek: The Voyage Home. Yeah, yeah, okay. I have this much higher, but um, purely out of nostalgia, I'll 100% will admit that. And this is the one that I watched most recently. And the reason that I held off on this one, this was my last Star Star Trek movie to watch, is I have a big issue with time travel in the one with the whales. whales. I have a big issue with time travel in Star Trek. It, It always comes off as super awkward and super cringy to me when we see the enlightened united federation of planets uh humans who who have become the federation and have expanded throughout the galaxy going back to our present day or or in that case the 1980s it has always been super cringy and uncomfortable to me to to watch uh it it reminds me of the episodes of voyager where they went back to 1997 i was gonna say you didn't like tom paris like uh hooking up with no (laughs) no i didn't i didn't yeah and and that scene where they go and they're like uh on this beach in la and i'm like this is the most 1996 thing i've ever seen right (laughs) and and it's really hard for me it's why uh i agreed with janeway so much when she said here's the thing about time travel and temporal paradoxes don't even try just just stay away she's like i hope to always avoid them i hate time travel i'm like good for you and and i i i I felt that so deeply trials and tribulations is i is is 
is is a fun episode in Deep Space Nine where they go back to like Kirk's time with the Tribbles. That's fun. I, right. I find it fun. But they're going back to Kirk's time. True. They're not going back to like 1994. The problem with it too is that they'll sometimes do stuff like um, when um, earlier in Deep Space Nine run where they go back and uh, uh, Bashir and Cisco, like Cisco has to impersonate that guy for the, the riots. And G- it's like, yeah, Gabriel in 2024, yes. we're going to separate like cities off and have all the homeless people go there. I'm like, uh, you better get on that. That's like in three <laughs> years. <laughs> like, uh, so it's sometimes it's, like, it's, it's a little it's, more awkward now. Yeah, because sometimes it's it's one of those like, yeah, well, you know, it's 1994 and, and 20, like in 30 years, who knows what's going to happen? Come on. And it's like, right. uh, okay, all right. Mm, I'm like, so the Third much. World War ha- apparently happens in like 2063, according to First Contact. So it's one of those, mm. yeah, is that going to happen? I don't know. <laughs> but back to the whales. Sorry. Uh, I didn't hate this. I didn't hate the movie at all. Um, I, I'm a... Big, big fan of Catherine Hicks. I pretty much love her in everything. So that that was that was a plus for me in this movie. Uh, I think Leonard Nimoy's performance was really, really fun. And I think one thing that I really liked about this movie is that it gave the other cast members of the Enterprise something to do. Yeah, you saw them doing other things. Uh, Walter Koenig as Chekhov had his great scenes where he got captured, and you saw mm-hmm. Scotty talking with the other engineers. You saw uh, DeForest Kelly as Bones in the hospital helping the other doctors and it felt like every character had something going on yes and that was really really cool so so that really lifted the movie for me despite it being about cringy time travel (laughs) fair enough fair enough i don't i i'll I'll get to more of my thoughts i don't want to get uh, to where i have it it's significantly higher than this though but again it's that's a nostalgia thing because i was pretty young when i first saw it so i need to revisit it actually i haven't seen it in a while but uh, of the original movies it's a lot higher than a few of the other ones but um it's still it's like not upper echelon star trek films for me so i can totally get where you're coming from um my number what are we on 10 right you're on number 10 <laughs> x that's right number 10 uh, my number 10 is Star Trek Beyond. Uh, Star Trek Beyond is, and this is where, this is the part of the list I'm getting to where it's like, eh, they're all right. It's like, they're fine. And Star yeah. Trek uh, Beyond is like, it was just fine. Um, <clears throat> Idris Elba is, is is in it. You'd never know it because he's under super heavy makeup. Right. Um, the uh, I can't tell you what happens in half this movie because it's just there. I like the the cast is like I love Chris Pine. Chris Pine is great. I thought he was an excellent casting choice for Captain Kirk, um, and he has a lot to do in this movie, and I I, I like that. And um, yeah, I mean it's it's an in it's it's sort of a fun little Star Trek, but I'd probably if I never watched it again, I'd be okay with it. It's because it's just there. I surprisingly, to my own surprise, have Star Trek Beyond much, much higher than number 10. Um, I think the big thing, like for you and Chris Pine, for me, it's Carl Urban as Dr. McCoy. To to me, he he really makes these movies for me. And the, the back and forth between him and Zachary Quinto as Spock is just absolutely fantastic. And uh I I felt like the story was solid. And the action was fun. And with 
the recent movies, if you get a solid story and you get some really good action and and it's Star Trek, you can't go wrong. So yeah, that's uh, fair. I, had, I ended up ranking Star Trek Beyond really, really high. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I just, you know, I saw it. I'm like, yeah, that was that was OK. <laughs> and I, I just, like I said, I couldn't tell you like half of what happens in this movie. I just I just can't remember. And so, like, if it didn't make an impression on me, I can't I can't really put it that high. So that's my number 10. Uh, so I guess it would be my turn for number, number nine. nine. Yep. And this is one of those movies where I've defended in the past where I, I I've always believed that this movie is not nearly as bad as people say it is. And that is Star Trek Nemesis. I've, I've yeah, got Star I, Trek I Nemesis as you. my number nine. Uh, I agree with uh, you to the point that it's also my number nine. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. Well, then let's talk about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. I feel like this movie really does get a bad rap, in my opinion. Yes, yep. I know. Data died. I know. I, I get it. Yes, we get it. Data died. But it was a movie with stakes. It was a movie with action. It mm-hmm. felt big. Uh, it felt like the the connection to Jean-Luc Picard with Shenzhen was really cool. Played by Tom we Hardy. Got, a young yeah, Tom a, Hardy. A very young Tom Hardy. Baby Tom Hardy. That's right. And we, we got to see the Romulans as a villain. In a Star Trek movie. Uh, They were a great villain or or antagonist in the series, but seeing them as a villain was fantastic. I thought the Remans were a really cool alien species. Mm -hmm, Uh, The Romulans were great villains. I think the starships and the the designs and the action and the starship battles were phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I felt like Everybody in the movie really brought their A game. I really, I really liked this one a lot. And I've never totally understood, besides Data dying, I get it, I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, besides that, I, I never why I never understood why people were so down on this one. I, I 100 percent agree. Uh Data, like you're you're totally right. Like a Star Trek movie with stakes, a care major character dies. And I understand why because brent spiner is kind of getting he's he's getting too old at this point and he's definitely now too old to play data but because data is an android and doesn't age and doesn't ever get you know like out of shape and doesn't ever get you know what i mean or like and long in, gray hair in, he can't do any of that so but now thankfully in in various other star trek series they've had him playing other characters yes. that are related to noon sung so it makes sense it but makes sense data, yes Data is still gone, and guys, in Star Trek Picard, yes, that's okay. Yeah, that exactly. I know he's a fan favorite, but again, like I mean, he can't play the character, can't play the actor, can't play the character forever. And um, Riker and Troy get married. Um, there's a scene. There's a scene that uh, ended up on the cutting room floor where Wesley was there for it, and um, yeah, um, Will Wheaton came back, and uh, they they left it out of the film. <laughs> But uh, like anybody wouldn't want to see that. Yeah, I know, right? And uh, yeah, I everybody's good in it. Uh, Patrick Stewart is a, like an excellent actor. Like you said, like every ditto, everything with the Romulans. I'm like, yeah, the Romulans are a force to be reckoned with. And um, uh, uh, Ron Perlman actually plays a Reman. 
Yes, which is pretty awesome. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to like here, I think. And people are, I just, yeah, it didn't do very well. And that's another thing, too. Like, and that always caught me off guard because I remember seeing Nemesis in the theater. And I remember like 20 years before it actually became a regular thing, like in an MCU movie. I remember when I was in the theater, the the cameo from Kate Mulgrew as Admiral yes. Janeway. Admiral People Janeway cheered for it. that. People yep. cheered for that. And it was like, hey, it's Star Trek. The gang's all here. And Yay. to me, coming out of that movie, I just remember coming out of the theater thinking, that was really good. Yeah. And I enjoyed I, it too. I, I never understood why people were so down on it. Agreed. I, if you're out there, I would love to know. Yeah, me too, actually. I just, I don't, I don't get it either, to be honest with you. I, yeah, I, uh, I like it. I've, I think I watched it a few years back and I'm like, this is still, this still, this is still good. I don't, I don't understand. I watched but, it yeah. in 2019, I think. Okay. And yeah, it, it still held up quite a yeah. bit. And the effects are still really good, and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, like I, there's there is a lot to like here, and 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 didn't do very well, and then Star Trek died for a while. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it was a bit of fatigue, I think. Here, maybe that's what it was. You know what? Because there was some the time, franchise fatigue. Yeah, franchise fatigue because uh, what was Nemesis two thousand two thousand two two thousand two. So Enterprise was halfway through its run, I think, at that point, yeah. and so you just had Voyager. And not too long ago. And yeah, I mean, so at that point, sometimes franchises have to go away and come back. So I think that's probably the case with it because otherwise it's a pretty decent movie. So that was my nine as well. Uh, What's your eight? (laughs) My number eight is Star Trek, the search for Spock, Star Trek three, the search for Spock. We, we, uh, we, we're jiving here because that's also my eight. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> nice. You'll love to see it. That's uh, right. I'm, I guess I'm a little colder on this movie than a lot of people. I like it, but I don't love it. Uh, I, yep. I imagine that with a lot of other people, it'd probably be a lot higher just because it revolves around a fan favorite character. Coming back from the dead, literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, and the whole Genesis I, device and then like there and I, there's important honest, things that happen in it. I, I honestly thought as a science fiction movie, it was really, really cool. And for it being a direct sequel to The Wrath of Khan, that was really, really cool. I think that was it's an inspired movie and it, it has a lot of good things in it. Um, I guess I'm just not as attached to Spock as a lot of people, but I I enjoyed the movie overall. Okay. See, I'm super attached to Spock. Uh, The Vulcans are my favorite race in Star Trek because they're so logical. Mm. I love it. Logic to a fault. Uh, And I have always loved Spock growing up and I always identified with him uh, more than the other characters. But even, even I'm like... Yeah, parts of this movie, movies, parts of this film slow to an absolute crawl. Like there's parts of this movie where literally nothing happens. And <laughs> there's the whole the, the Genesis device in of itself is kind of an like an a weird MacGuffin. And um Christopher Lloyd as a as a Klingon was kind of strange. Like I'm not sure why they casted him as a Klingon. That was weird. 
and it, it yeah. the way I saw that casting choice is that it, it allowed Christopher Lloyd to really just act as hard as he wanted. Like true it, in in the episode of Deep Space Nine where they have to infiltrate the Klingon Empire and they get surgically altered to look like Klingons. Yes, uh, it it is one of my favorite performances from Avery Brooks because you see him just going fully into being a Klingon. He does and. Yes. I appreciated that from Christopher Lloyd. He did not hold back. He, when he knew he was going to be a Klingon, he was a Klingon. He was a Klingon. Yeah, that's what you have to do. And and I appreciated that. Yeah, Captain, you should uh, not hit me with the back of your hand. Was your intention to challenge me to a duel to the death? Uh, No. Why? Then you should not hit me with the back of your hand. (laughs) Are you questioning the validity of my plan? Yeah. So great. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I love Cisco so much. Oh my goodness! He's the best. He's he the is best. the best. Yeah, but so there's yeah, there's some a lot of weird things. They recast. Um, was it Kirstie Alley? They recast yes, her for this yes, one. Yes. Yeah, and Who'd so they like, get? Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall. What? No, was? Kim Cattrall was in six. Right. Right. Okay. I can't remember who they got to play. Um, uh, the Vulcan here. Uh, yeah. So uh, there is important. There are important things that happen in this. So like Kirk's son gets killed by a Klingon, which they bring up in a later movie. Uh, mm-hmm. as like um, you know, in, in undiscovered country, and that's like a pretty big part of uh, um, you know, why Kirk is the perfect kind of one of the like kind of the perfect scapegoat in that film. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. There's there's parts of it that just drag, and so like that's why it kind of drags it down for me a bit. Yeah, and so like by the time you get to you're like, yay, Spock is back, but at the same time, like it's it was just slow in parts, and that's that's really all I have to say about it. So. Yep. So that was also my number, uh, my number eight as well. So what's your number seven? My number seven. Let me see. Is Star Trek Five: The Final Frontier? Oh wow! You did. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Um, let Let me. Yeah, I did. Um, I heart Cybok. That's that's kind of it. That's kind of it. Yeah, that's fair. I just really liked Cyborg. It turned out he was he ended up being one of my favorite characters in the history of the franchise. I just that's fascinating. I I found him. I found him utterly captivating. Like here is a Vulcan who has just thrown away all of the philosophies that Vulcans have lived by, and Mm -hmm. he's like, Nah, I'm going to use my emotions, and and I'm going to go out there, and we're going to find out what's out there, and we're going to find God, too. Why not? And it's so crazy that that I would probably do it, too. Like, it's so... It's so illogical that yep. I'd want to do it. That See, I want to find out. As as an atheist, I would never try to find God because <laughs> I don't. It's just not. S- not that I wouldn't same. ever try and find it. It's just not something I think like, hey, like God is just like be beyond the galactic rim, and and that's it. And I'm like, probably not. And <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty much the same way. I, I'm pretty much an atheist myself. But not for fair. me, it would be like, oh, really? Well, let's, let's go do find them. Let's, no, let's find them then. I okay. got some things I want to say. That's right. Fair enough. Fair mm. enough. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number seven is Star Trek: The Motion Picture. I had this a lot higher than you. Uh, okay. You're right. It is. It is. It is a bit slow. Uh, but you're also right. The effects are for for the late seventies, early eighties. I think it was late seventies. Actually, it's like it's very. The effects are really good. Um. 
the whole concept of uh, Voyager satellite coming back and and developing art- artificial intelligence is really interesting. They also basically copied this plot for the Voyage Home, except with whales. Uh, <laughs> I'm not a fan of the uniforms, I will say that, but um, this is one of the few Star Trek um, films or, or TV shows or whatever where you get a, a really big idea of the scope and size of a Federation starship. Like the the sets in this are so good. They're massive. Yeah, like, they're giant. Viger, like the scope of Viger alone was just almost unfathomable. It was, imagine a, a little satellite probe being away from Earth for hundreds of years in this time frame. And it just grew and grew and grew to an unfathomable level. Yeah. And that's kind of the thing about 70s sci-fi that you really appreciate is that on a scale of imagination, it really felt like the sky was the limit. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of how this movie felt to me. It felt like for the first time in Star Trek, the galaxy and the universe felt really, really big. Big, yes. Because before this, they were just hopping from planet to planet to planet and running into the occasional recurring character now and then. Mm-hmm. This was the first time where you really felt like this is the entire galaxy. This is the entire universe. The, these are things that that will have ramifications for centuries. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was really cool. Yeah. And that's that's one of the reasons why I really like it. Um, but yeah, your complaints about it are valid for sure. And that's why it's that's why it's seven and not like, you know, in the, my top five or and Four, not three, everybody right. likes the uniforms and, and that's I don't okay. like them. I just don't like them. Yeah, they're that's too right. like they're too sterile looking for my tastes. Like yeah. the it's white and blue and then nothing. And it's just like it's so and then like this the only I will say the only one who pulled off rolled up sleeves was uh Chief O'Brien. And it's like the whole rolled up sleeves on Kirk things uh, like the short sleeve shirt on Kirk looks weird. And it was just, I don't know, man, it's, it's, you butcher, it's very seventies and I don't know. I just didn't, it just didn't fit with Star Trek for me for some reason. Like the, the I can, uniform. I can understand that. I but, do get um, that. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, that's really all I have to say about it. I, I enjoy it uh, well enough and uh, it's something that I've watched more than once. So that's my number right, seven. So, okay. So I guess mine would be my number six. Let me see if I've got these in the order that I want them. One, two, three, four, five. Six. Am I going to call an audible and switch anything around? <laughs> four, I think four and five might pretty much be in the same spot. Four, four and five are kind of together. But That's my fair. number six is going to be the Star Trek 2009 reboot. Well, look at this. Wow, we're like we're reading each other's minds because that is hey also now. my number six. Star Trek All 2009. Right. <clears throat> I, I was fortunate enough to actually see this one in IMAX too. And Me too. That was awesome. It was awesome. Although I wonder how anybody stands on the bridge in the future and doesn't go blind from all the lens flares. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, and the white ship. That that's the thing yeah. that bugged me. The bridge being just kind of this blinding white. You're like, that that oh. was my problem. That was way too bright. Yeah. But reintroducing Kirk and Spock's character dynamic. I think they did a really good job with that. Uh, again, Carl Urban is Dr. McCoy. Uh, I think Nailed he it. 
along with DeForest Kelly, really cemented Dr. McCoy as my favorite character of that cast and timeline. And it just felt like you could see that the on-screen chemistry was there. Mm -hmm. And it started off well with Kirk's father. That was really well done. Uh, And we saw Jim Kirk, young Jim Kirk, being... uh, kind of a dirt bag but <laughs> really turning it around troublemaker and it, it just it felt like it was a really good starting point it really really was mm-hmm. uh, the action was great uh the acting performances were really inspired even if you the tell- drill makes even if the drill makes no sense <laughs> that drill so, makes no sense but it's what it I was talked about it earlier but it was cool yeah and i talked about it earlier it's one of those things you're like fine let's just hang you know what it. Go for it. Go yeah, for it. don't worry about it. Yeah, so. You could tell that this movie was very, very inspired, and everyone involved really gave it their all. Yep. And it really shows up on the screen. I think that the, the 2009 reboot was really well done. My only big gripe about it was the bridge being blindingly white. <laughs> I didn't like that at all. For me, it's there's a couple plot holes, like... um. There's the drill makes no sense. The, um, I mean, and again, this is, this is, these are kind of small, the whole like technology that that they use to travel back in time, like the red matter and all, it was like, it was dumb, but it's like, whatever it's, they're just start, they're just star trekking their way through things. That's fine. It's, it's, it's techno babble. Yeah. And, uh, the whole classic star Trek techno babble. They, they, so when, um, the, the whole, like what was Nero doing for like 20 years, they fill that in later and the whole um the you know the, the funny thing is and this is like such a small thing but it's the thing that made me go wait a minute and so it's when um spot kicks kirk off the ship and launches him in an escape pod and he just happens to land on exactly the part of the planet where um older spock is kicking around which just also happens to be not too far from a starbase outpost where scotty is it's like little too convenient and it's just i stopped for a second i'm like uh, you're stretching it guys but i moved i moved on and it was okay i i, I do remember that and thinking <laughs> well okay it's a movie because yeah, if they exactly. don't do that we wouldn't have a movie so exactly. let's just move on it, it, it agreed but it, it for a second i was like yeah, yeah for a second that was a stretch it was a stretch but my my favorite part about this movie my absolute favorite part about this film is when kirk is taking the kobayashi maru I love that. Mm. I love it so much. It's like they're doing the exercise and Kirk's sitting in the captain chair. And it's like, and Aurora's like, the Klingons are firing, firing, sir. They're, they're, you know, uh, our shields are down, blah, blah, blah. You know, all the techno Bible speak. Kirk's there with an apple. He's like, eh, don't worry about it. Sorry. Right. He takes a bite of the apple and then a beep happens. He looks around. He's like, and then he starts going and then he passes the test. It's the best part of the movie. Chris Pine shines in that. And that's what really made me love him as Captain Kirk. It was like, ah, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's so great. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, like there's a lot of parts of this film that I really enjoy. And I liked Eric Bana too as the villain. Yeah. I thought he was good. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Uh, we both had the uh, uh, same one for number six again. So right. what's your number five? Uh, like I said, th- this and my number four will kind of be interchangeable. Okay. Uh, so either one, four, five, four A, four B. Uh, we'll say my number five is Star Trek Generations. 
And get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> again? Again? Yep. Again. Okay. That's All also right. my fault. I, I hope this is interesting for people we, because like we, we we keep having the same kind of I it'll probably be the same towards the t- the top two, but uh the top couple as well. But like uh there's gonna be at least one major difference here because I I'm I have uh, uh four a little higher quite a bit higher than you but other than that we're probably gonna have quite we definitely did not plan this ahead of we, time. Did not, we did not we did not i really actually did. just met david before we went on the air so we we didn't we did it, it wasn't planned out like this it just happened it just happened but i'm with you generations um i remember seeing this Th- this is the one where i i have a lot of nostalgia for because this is the star trek movie where i was a kid and I saw this in the theater with my mom and my sister, and I was so incredibly excited. And it really lived up for me, uh, and it lived up for my mother, too, because she was especially happy to see Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan have mm-hmm. such a prominent part in this movie, because Guinan was her favorite character. Uh, I That's think awesome. that the seeing the original cast for a little bit was a nice touch. I think that was pretty well done uh but then we get to seeing the tng cast and it feels like a star trek mission it feels like star trek the next generation and that was really cool i thought malcolm mcdowell uh mm-hmm. was pretty entertaining as the villain so and i think that the nexus was a fascinating concept mm-hmm. and that would be something that i would love to maybe go back to someday and I think that e- even for as brief as it was, the interaction between William Shatner and Patrick Stewart yes. was really, really good because Shatner, when he wants to, is a pretty good actor. A- he can and be. Pat- when he wants to. Yes, when he's motivated. And Patrick Stewart is Patrick Stewart. So they they both upped their game, and I think that worked out really well. Uh, seeing the Enterprise D going through all of this epic space action on the big screen was really fun. Uh, even though I thought that seeing the Enterprise D on the big screen was it was a little dated. Uh, yes. I yes. I was not upset to see the Enterprise E. It, it looked a lot better in my opinion. I love the Sovereign is my favorite. It's my favorite Enterprise. Yeah. I love the Sovereign class. I I think it's fantastic. Uh, yeah. I I just feel like. There's a lot of fun in this movie, too. It, you can tell that everyone is having fun for the most part. And I I just think it worked. It, it seems like it's this crazy idea. What if we get the original cast and maybe have them do a cameo in the next movie and we use the cast of the next generation and we kind of have them meet up with one another and then... Kirk and Picard, they have a little back and forth, and then we throw in a villain where there's an alternate universe and time travel and Christmas and just all of this Christmas. stuff getting thrown in and it works. Like There's all of this stuff that you don't think would work, and it does. And that yep. That's a testament to Star Trek Generations. It, there's a lot of stuff that you don't think will work, but it does. It does, yeah. See, this is my only, I think my only real complaint is that this also feels like an extended episode. Which is not a, it's not a bad thing. It just, it feels that way until Shatner shows up. Uh, Cause you got the Duras sisters, of course. And um, 
Data goes nuts with his, with his emotion chip, and uh, which was an interesting subplot. But the best stuff in the whole film is when um, I think when Picard and Shatner are together. Like uh, a few important things happen there. Uh, Shatner's first of all, he like jumps the the gap and like jumps that kind of ramp on his horse, and he's like, "I must have done this a million times," and it felt like exhilarating every time, except for this one, and that's how he realizes that it's not real. And the second thing is he's like, always be a captain. Like, don't let them promote you. Don't let them t- be a captain. Be captain of the Enterprise. And Picard is always a captain. Like, you never see Picard as an admiral ever. And um, uh, the other thing, the other noteworthy thing that happens in this, and it happens right at the beginning, is uh, his brother, Rene, and no, his brother, I can't remember his name, and his his son, Rene, they die in a fire right at the beginning. And so there, there's, there's this whole... I have no family left. And so that sets up later in the film for him to go into the Nexus and then be tempted to stay, which is an inter- interesting development in of itself because that whole, that whole episode um, that happened after best of both worlds, where he goes back to um, his uh, parents, old wine farm with uh, his brother and, and his nephew and they that fight. whole thing. Like it's super powerful episode, a couple of episodes where Patrick Stewart really shines as an actor and and you know um it's where he faces what the borg did to him and tries to you know keep going with his life so yeah it's a nice callback there's a lot of good things i'm with you there are a lot of good things to like in this film too it just felt like a little bit extended and 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 one other thing the galaxy the the enterprise d crashing means that all those dolphins died because i don't know if you know this or not but the enterprise d in its specs has a dolphin pool Wow. <laughs> the, You're right. The, yes. Yeah. So like the dolphins are dead now. <laughs> uh, I've heard the Enterprise D uh, um, described as a floating apartment in space. I always heard it was like a a, um, a hotel and convention center. Yeah, there space. you go. Because they got because all they these had- civilians and their families and stuff. And I'm like, and what they had they- all these. They held all these diplomatic meetings and conferences. Yeah. So it was like, it, it was a convention center. It was like an embassy. Yeah. They had like eight conference rooms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I, I, yeah, I like generations a lot. So and that was also my number five. So number four, I guarantee you it's going to be different. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I said earlier, I, I ended up when I was composing this list and putting it all together, this one surprised me myself even. And and I went back and I thought, okay, we got our first three. Okay. And then like the, the three, I think are, are pretty, pretty much set in the stone. Top three was easy for me too. A- and then after looking through them, it was like, really, really, David, that's your number four. <laughs> and then I, I watched the movie again and it was like, huh? Yeah, yeah, it really is. I really liked Star Trek Beyond. I really liked it a lot. Uh, I thought Edith's elbow was great with what he was given. Given, yeah. Uh, I think that the action scenes in Beyond were outstanding. And as I've said, the dynamic between Spock and McCoy, uh, Carl Urban and Zachary Quinto was better than ever. 
Uh, we got to see Zoe Saldana as Uhura uh, as a fully formed character. And I think that that's one of the big things about the J.J. Abrams movies that I, I do like the most is that we see the entire cast of the original Enterprise. We see all of them as fully fleshed out characters. And I mm. always really liked that. And and that includes Chris Pine as as James Kirk. I love uh, but, Chris Pine. Yeah, he, he he's was, so good in uh, this. He, is. he really is. And I just felt like, to my own surprise, I really, really liked Star Trek Beyond a lot. I just felt like it was as good of an action movie as you could make. And it was a pretty good Star Trek movie as well. And you've got good Star Trek and a good action sci-fi movie. You put them together and this is what you get. I just think that okay. it ended up being surprisingly great didn't justin lynn direct this one too was it him or was um yes it was yeah yeah and he did fast and the furious so i'm not surprising that the action was good because man knows how to shoot action yes he does yeah and that's totally fair i just I, i've said all everything i was gonna say about it just you know i just can't remember any of it. <laughs> again i was i su- i surprised myself i went back and rewatched it to be sure so you know Maybe go back and watch Star Trek Beyond, everybody. I should. I should give it another shot is what I should do. Uh, my number four, and on the same sort of trajectory, um, surprised me too, because I didn't think I'd like this one as much as I do. And that's Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home. Okay. And uh, the, one with, the one with the whales. I'm like, because it's, that first of all, they stole the plot from, from Star Trek The Motion Picture and just put whales in it, firstly. <laughs> Secondly, um, it's it's very dated because it was the whole save the whales thing in the 80s and like you don't really hear about that anymore because the whale populations have come back right and but it was this cute i remember it because i was a kid in the 80s and it was like there was save the whales everywhere it was like the charity right and so i, it stated I did from see that, that in the it was there in the 90s too. too yes and so you could see it from that and then the whole like uh the the punk rockers the um uh you know the the um uh, soviet union in the united states like it's yeah yeah, like Chekhov gets, yeah Chekhov gets captured and i'm like oh yeah that's it's like that, if you that watch that if, if, you, if you're a kid and you watch that and it's like why are they mad he's just got a different accent like big deal he's a russian who cares and i'm like in the 80s the soviet union you know, I, I would have to explain it to people so like it's it's dated right Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of things that I love in this. Scotty talking into the mouse is fantastic. Transparent Hello, aluminum. I love transparent aluminum. Oh my god, it's so funny. Um, the whole um, um, you know bones. He gets to do his thing in, in the hospital. And he's like, "You're, you're going to drill a hole into head. You set sa- basically you savages or monsters or whatever. It's like, oh, you, you're going to kill them. It's like you know, they, they don't have like." 20 23rd or 24th century technology they're not they're there bones. yet bones. it's not there man not, that's, that's not what there we yet got. that's what we got uh yeah and the interaction is good um the slingshot around the sun <laughs> to go yeah. back in time <laughs> ridiculous but it's this is one of the ones where it's like it's just a fun movie and everybody gets something to do like you said uh the conclusion is uh is very like it's it's it ends on a very happy note the crew's back together. 
It's like, yeah, uh, as your punishment, we're going to downgrade you from admiral, admiral to captain. So you get to like captain oh, the Enterprise. Oh, no. Again. Oh, no. It's so awful. And Anything but that. Yeah. And so like bands back together at the end. They save the world, even though they kind of go against orders. Spock, there's this whole subplot of Spock is still not really Spock yet because um, he got his person. Like he, in Wrath of Khan, he transfers it via mind meld to, to Bones and then he gets it back the same way later and so he's just like oh yeah like you and i have been friends like to kirk you and i've been friends forever you know they're still re-establishing that so there's a subplot there he's hilarious dealing with the punk uh the punk rockers on the bus who turn it up too loud there's like a lot of little fun moments and being a child of the 80s this is like a purely a nostalgia pick for me but uh I, i i enjoy it it's fun it's fun so it's it's number four for me and you don't even need any LDS to enjoy it. That's right. <laughs> LDS. Yeah. Yep. All right. Okay. Number three. My number three is Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. Uh, so should we talk about General Chang? Uh, first of all, I would like to say that this movie, just like four, everybody has something to do here. Yes. Literally everyone. Like even Aurora at the end, it's like um, she suggests to do surgery on a, on a photon torpedo. She comes up with the solution. Yes. Yes. And, and the other thing that I would like to quickly point out too, Marvel stole the signature at the end of the film from this film. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. But, but Lower Decks brought it back. So yes, it's okay. That's true. Okay. Let's talk about General Chang. Let's talk about General Chang. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This this character might be my favorite Star Trek movie villain. I, yep. I, I absolutely loved everything about him. Uh, just Christopher Plummer's performance, mm-hmm. the, the character design, the mm-hmm. uniform, just quoting the Shakespeare. Way- Shakespeare, just, just Shakespeare before Picard made it cool. That's right. Just, Everything about General Chang and Christopher Plummer's performance was nothing short of outstanding. Yep. He, he, I 100% he really, agree. He lifted this. He really did. He, also, he lifted- uh, in his first role, he did. He's absolutely uh, amazing in this. Uh, also, in an early association with Star Trek, Kurtwood Smith plays the basically the president of Earth or the Federation, yes. which is awesome, too. Fresh uh, off of Robocop, where he played the main villain. <laughs> <laughs> until before he got lost in the Delta Quadrant. Yes, and uh, bef- bo- uh, and before he stuck his foot in Eric Foreman's ass. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is what most people know him from. But yeah, I, I would 100% agree with you. Um, General Chang, uh, Chang is an amazing Star Trek villain. He's so good in this movie. And if you s- oh, uh, see it for the first time, you don't know that he's one of the conspirators until the end. This movie is a fantastic whodunit. This movie could be a whodunit on its own. Like, it's almost a noir. It's almost a noir. And it's like you, all the twists and turns, the, the them looking for the gravity boots, like um, the mind mill when you can, when you discover uh, spoilers, it, although this movie is was released in 1990, so... Statue of Limitations. And has on top of all of that, the <clears throat> cast in this movie, even like the small bit roles, this cast is so big. 
Christian mm-hmm. Slater, Michael Dorn uh, playing his own grandfather, uh, Rene Albert-Genois, <laughs> yes. Brock Peters, uh, Iman, uh, Christopher Plummer, again, Kim Cattrall, uh, yes. just a monster of a cast. Just yep. There's so much about this movie that's just so high quality. Yeah, Christian Slater is there for a cup of coffee. He's there to come over, come into Captain Sulu's quarters and say, and and tell him about the situation. He's there for less than five minutes. And, and I realized this is another thing that I really enjoyed about this movie is I, I always go back to how I like when the other members of the TS, TOS crew have something to do. Sulu became a captain and got his own ship. Yep. Somewhere on the Excelsior, Tuvok is there. Somewhere yes. on there, Tuvok right. is there, and that's amazing. That's, right. that's awesome. And yes. it, it felt like, as someone who is a fan of Star Trek, seeing Sulu being the captain of his own ship, that that was just the coolest thing in the world to me. Um, this movie came out in 1990, so at the time I was still a little too young to see it in the theater. But I would love, if, if you saw it, um, just that scene in that moment, how was that for you? Uh, that was that was so awesome i'm like oh sulu got a ship yay the excelsior oh this and the ship design is really cool too like the excelsior ships like they keep using the excelsior ship models like all the way like through uh tng deep space nine and voyager just because and apparent like the canon story behind that is that they were so dependable and um they just lasted forever that they just kept excelsiors in service for like 80 years and it's like damn like that's they just kept churning them out because they were such a versatile vessel. It's a like, good it could ship. Be, yeah, good ship. So um, the beginning, like where they don't waste any time, Praxis like blows up the Klingon moon and right off the bat, stakes. And it's like, and, and Captain Sulu goes in and it's like, you know, uh, you know, we can offer assistance, whatever. And that kickstarts the whole plot. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, it's it, like I said, the fact that like Scotty gets st- stuff to do, uh, Kirk and Bones are are there. They're blamed for the crime of uh, of um, assassinated the Chancellor. You've got a Klingon bird of prey that's a prototype that can fire when cloaked. That's a huge deal on the Star Trek, but it it, it makes sense and it doesn't unlike uh, Into Darkness with the beaming between planets doesn't render anything obsolete. It just means that it's a like such a huge tactical advantage and. Yeah, like Aurora comes up with the um, solution to 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 operate. Well, it's like, yeah, uh, configure the photon torpedoes. What can we look for? Well, the thing's got to have a tailpipe. And I'm like, brilliant. So brilliant. And, and the end, uh, when they do that, and torpedoes ready to launch, Captain. And uh, Pat and um, Shatner steps up like, on one leg and he puts like his he, he just like puts a, a closed fist like in front of me he's like fire and you're like yes you're like you're just you have that such it's such a great moment and it's the perfect movie to end the original cast off on it's just the moment and then sulu comes and he's like target that last explosion of fire 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 and they destroy it and his whole to be or not to be it's just it's such a great climax to the film it's it's perfect like i love it and i recently what rewatched this about two months ago and i'm like this movie is still amazing it's so it good. really is it really really is yeah and not just everything movie. everything you hear about christopher Plummer's performance as general chang it, it it holds up 
very much so. Yep, one hundred percent. Yeah, I just yeah, I just love 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 this film. It's it's so great. I'd show it to anybody. Like you don't have to be Star Trek film to like this movie. Mm-hmm. It's just good. It's Thanks. just good quality. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Okay. So, wh- which one of the top two? Number two. Wh- All right. So. <laughs> I'm interested to see if we have these in the order that we're supposed to have them. Uh, so for my number two, uh, I will say that I am a, a TNG kid. So <laughs> yes. my number two is for is first contact. Yep. Me too. <laughs> uh, I, I really just feel like it's, it's top to bottom. It's, I can't say enough about this movie. I just feel like this is the movie that I show people who are just getting into Star Trek and they've like watched The Next Generation and they say, okay, now that I've watched The Next Generation, which of the movies should I start with? First Contact. Uh, If it's First Contact is the one. Uh, it's, it's It's got the TNG cast. It's got the Enterprise D. This is one time travel e. point that I don't dislike because they're not going back to like present times. They're going back to the not too distant future. So it's still a little far off. We meet Zephram Cochran and he he's fantastic. Yes. And the crew of the Enterprise on Earth in Idaho or Montana, I think it where it was, uh, just trying to fit in on Earth was really charming and really amusing. Counselor and, Troy, there's no time to talk about time. We don't have the time. <laughs> that's such. That's it's so great. It's like you're drunk. No, I'm not. Like no, oh, I'm not. Oh, yeah, so good. It's good. And the hero uh, worshiping and, with Zephram Cochran after, and, and like, yeah. you you told them about the statue. <laughs> so yeah. good. This is I one of the it, best. I was doing Star it for Trek the movies. money. Yep. yep. It's one and, of the best written Star ta- Trek movies. We didn't even talk about the Borg. We didn't even talk about the Borg. Yep. And, and the Borg Queen and Data nearly siding with the Borg Queen and Jean Luc on his quest for vengeance. Yes. There's just so much. There's yes, so the, much. The, the comparisons to Moby Dick, like his, it, like him and, um, Oh, what's her, the, 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 the character, um, that was, that was, oh, I can't remember. Um, and oh. she's been in, she's been in a bunch of stuff too. Uh, she's pretty, she's a really good act, actor and they're talking about like him hunting the white whale. And he's like, it's like, no, the line must be drawn here and no further. And he's like, he get he, no. And he smashes like the wind with all the former models of the enterprise. And it's like, blow up the damn ship. No. And it's like, no. that is powerhouse Patrick Stewart right there. The performance he gives right there, you feel his anger and his rage about what they did to him. He's like, you know, yeah. Lily Sloan. Lily Sloan. Yeah. And she's like, it's like, did you did you um, did you think about that when you shot Ensign Lynch? And he's like, he's like, uh, we couldn't save him. You didn't even try. And it's like the whole back and forth between them is just solid gold. Like it's so good. And she convinces him to change his mind too and blow up the shit. And there's like, there's the whole thing. There's, 
the part uh, where I, I watched this also recently, probably about a month ago as well. So it's pretty fresh in my mind. The whole thing where Worf blows up the interplexing beacon and he's like, assimilate this. And um, that's really great. Um, the Defiant makes a, makes an appearance. That's freaking yes. awesome. Tough little ship. Little. And it's like, little. that's great. Adam Scott from um, uh, Parks and Rec is on the bridge of the Defiant right at the beginning. I'm like, Adam Scott's in a Star Trek movie. What the what? He was super young. Uh, for me, uh, let me ask you this one. Um, okay. Alice Kriege a- as the Borg Queen. So good. This, w- this was maybe the first Star Trek villain that felt genuinely scary. Mm-hmm. Like Before all of these Star Trek villains were very campy and, and Shakespearean and over the top, but this one was genuinely a scary villain. And I thought she was absolutely fantastic. It really, it really put into scope just how big of a nemesis, pun intended, the Borg can really be. And yeah, and she and the, she was fantastic. She knocked out of the park. And the Borg Queen is a fascinating um, development into the like the whole lore of the Borg. The like her performance is scary, but also kind of erotic. And so like, which is a, like, she, she's like, she talks for the most part, she talks like very like low and relaxing and like, you know what I mean? When she's trying to tempt data and the whole back and forth between her and data is really well written. It's like, uh, uh, the, 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 thinking oneself to be perfect is often the sign of a delusional mind, Uh, small words from a small being trying to attack what he doesn't understand. And it's like, that's that's so good that dialogue is that's so really good. good grafting the skin onto him and she blows on it and he gets goosebumps and he's like he almost has like almost an orgasmic reaction to it the whole thing the whole thing at the end where you think that date has gone to the to the dark side and and he's like been assimilated and then he looks at he's like he misses uh the the, the you know the phoenix on purpose and then she's like data and he's like resistance is futile and then knocks out the 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 chamber of gas there like and and starts the borg all start like disintegrating that's a great line picard at the end is he he says to to picard i i considered her offer uh for for a while he's like how long 0.68 seconds sir and it's like that's such a data thing to say and you know it's just this movie is great it's so great i love 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 first contact and you're right i bring anybody who's like just getting in the star trek wants a a movie to watch first contact first contact this is the one this is the one yep it's so great i love it so Number one is Star Trek II, The Wrath, Wrath of Khan. Because of course it is. What are we even doing here? <laughs> yeah, of course. Of yep. course. The whole it's, submarine. It's The Wrath of Khan. Yeah. The submarine feel, the battles, the cat and mouse between Kirk and Khan. Even though Kirk is at a couple of points like over the top, like you, you get Khan as a threat right away. The whole him controlling Chekhov and Chekhov's captain on whatever vessel that was. Uh, Kirk's an admiral. There's this whole subplot right at the beginning of like dealing with getting Get, older, getting old. Yeah, and I resonate to that because like I'm 42, so I'm like I'm the I'm almost I'm close to Kirk's age at that time because I think he was around 50 ish, like he's in his late 40s, and so I that super resonates with me, like dealing with getting old and 
being in, and they're like, you know, we've noticed you haven't been as happy like being an admiral. You need to be out there discovering stuff, which references his speech to Picard later on in Generations, where it's like, don't ever let them promote you. And yeah, just like all around. And Spock died and again, spoiler for a movie that came out in like 1982 or 83, whenever it came out, but Spock dies Statute at the end. Of limitations. Yeah. Spock dies at the end. I cry every single time. I am and forever shall be your friend. I'm like, oh my God, that's the saddest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I cry every time. So powerful. Yep. So powerful. And the reason why it's powerful, which is why Star Trek in the Darkness didn't was was bad, is because they've been together for 20 years. So there's a history and you get the history and they don't do such a good job. And yeah, I, I love this movie two pieces. It's so good. And I, I, this one I also rewatched recently too. And even the special effects aren't that bad for like the early eighties. And considering they shot it on a very low budget because uh, the motion picture didn't do very well. And so this was their last, if this didn't do well, we wouldn't have gotten next generation and we wouldn't have gotten the rest of the movies. They were going to just, we're just done with star Trek if this didn't do very well and so they made it and on a very low budget but it's, it's but it's a fantastic film and it ended up getting knocked out of the park <clears> and <throat> just a phenomenal film not even just as a star trek film or, or even a sci-fi film it is it is a quality film uh probably because gene roddenberry was booted out <laughs> i'm just wow. gonna say it you're gonna make some enemies I'm with that sure. one that's <laughs> yeah, okay i can deal with it yeah. but it, it, it everything about the film uh, even the special effects just it's drama it's comedy it's acting it's stakes it's adrenaline it's it grips you emotionally. It has a climax. Things happen. Things matter. A major character dies. Uh, mm -hmm. A character that you've been attached to for a long, long time, just like with Star Trek Nemesis. And all of these things are important and matter. And this mm -hmm. is just a great film, period. It's yep. just a great film. Uh, this is also another one where they do a... Um it's funny that the, the top two films that we both agree on both have references to Moby Dick because uh, it's the same thing with uh, um, with Khan. Basically, one of his underlings is telling him, we got a ship like we can go wherever we want. Why don't we just and like they're like he's Kirk is stranded on the space station. Like, why don't we just like peace out and go do whatever we want? And he's like, nope, no, I need revenge. And it's I'm going to kill him. I have to have my revenge. And he was just so fixated on it and he couldn't let it go that it ultimately destroyed him. And it's just, yeah. Like, I don't know what more you want. <laughs> really it's, don't. It's, story, it's storytelling at its highest. I agree. I agree. So there, yeah. Like, we did it. 13, yay. We went through all the Star Trek films. Sorry, sorry everybody. We, we didn't argue as much as two people talking about Star Trek normally would. But yep. we it, didn't it ended do up... A Chris Mike argument where 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 Mike hates the Last Jedi and Chris likes it. <laughs> we didn't do one like that on I, this one. I'm but. I'm avoiding that one like a ten foot pole. Ah, uh, yes, that one. that's a good call. I've talked about it so much, but yeah. So we did agree a lot, but um, that just I, it's it's kind of interesting in a way we had never met before this, and we just started talking. I I <clears throat> got your name off one of the the 
groups that I sign off on Facebook where they just they send you an email and, and I'm like, ooh, a guy who likes Star Trek, sweet. <laughs> Let's talk and, about and, Star Trek. And so and uh, I am always I'm always down to talk Star Trek. Always. So maybe I'll have you back one time and we can uh, rate the series. Absolutely. Yeah, that'd Let's be great. I, yeah, that'd be that'd be so much fun. So uh, we'll, we'll we'll have you on Promenade anytime. Oh, that'd be. Fa- I'd love to. I'd love to go on a, uh, on on yours as well and talk about Star Trek. I could talk Trek all, all right. day. Yeah, you'll so fit right I'd, in. Yeah, awesome. So, um, anything uh, else to plug or that you want to say before we uh, get going? Well, Chris, thank you so much for having me on. This really was a lot of fun. Uh, everybody, I'm David Majors. Uh, if you want to, you can follow me on Twitter at CallMeDJM. Uh, you'll see me talking about Star Trek, anime, wrestling, sports, pretty much everything uh, at CallMeDJM on Twitter. Uh, I host the Promenade Merchants podcast where you can find wherever you get your podcasts, myself and my co-host, Heather Kirby, where we sit, we talk about Star Trek for not too terribly long every couple of weeks or so and it's it's a nice little bite-sized star trek podcast and and we really appreciate you tuning in uh check it out the promenade merchants podcast uh i do a sports show called sports odds and ends where my friends brandon and jerry talk sports i'm kind of the guy behind the glass if you're thinking it's sports talk radio that's kind of my role i'm the producer Nice. Uh, also, I'm on a music podcast with my friend Petey Rave called Record Breakers, where it's like a little book club for music where we do an album at a time. Look for that uh, in your podcatcher of choice called the Record Breakers Music Podcast. And one more time on Twitter at call me DJM. Awesome. And thank you so much for coming on uh, and talking about Star Trek. This was a ton of fun. I really enjoyed it. I would love to go on yours, like I said, and and uh, talk about it anytime. And I'd love to have you back. So with all that said, thanks for joining us this week. Please like, comment, subscribe if you're able. Rate the podcast wherever you listen. Or if there's something you really want to talk about, email me at conferculture at gmail.com. That's C-O-N-F-E-R-C-U-L-T-U-R-E at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm David. Live long and profits. And this has been Conferred Culture. Thank you.